Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. <laughs> Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham as summer has properly broken out all over the land and the eco-warriors heading for Glastonbury are all stuck in a massive traffic jam, uh, polluting the planet. Of course, so much for the green festival season. They might have banned plastic bottles, but their carbon footprint is bigger than ever. If you're stuck in that traffic jam, we want to hear from you. 0344 499 1000. Coming up this morning, we're going to be addressing the population problem because it's not just Glastonbury that is going to be overpopulated this weekend. Britain is basically full and why we can't can't take any more people into this country is going to be the subject of what we're going to be talking about. Our population grew by 400,000 last year, the equivalent of adding a new city the size of Coventry to the nation. The only problem is they're not actually going anywhere near Coventry. Most of them are coming straight to London and not passing go, not collecting their £200 and not actually moving out of the city, the capital city of this country. Only yesterday we were talking about how the NHS doctors are now refusing to bill any foreign health tourists when they get treated by us and it's now very clear that immigration is is the cause of the rise in population. Presumably, the people coming to this country don't share the pessimistic outlook of many of the remainers here uh, who say it's all going to go horribly wrong in the next 10 years. And it now seems we will hit the 70 million mark in about eight years' time, two years earlier than planned. And you can bet your bottom dollar that infrastructure, schools, hospitals, roads, etc. won't be improved in time. 03444991000. Coming up later on, we'll be talking about why Boris Johnson has dumped all over the Brexit party, calling them puffballs, and refusing to bring them into EU negotiations over Brexit, and why nurseries aren't allowed to call children naughty anymore. It's all going on. We want to hear from you, of course. This is the one place to get your voice heard. We are Common Sense Radio. We are Talk Radio. We are the greatest radio station in the land. 0344 499 1000. You'll listen to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, we've been very fortunate uh, this morning to be able to snare Mr David Davis, uh, who is Conservative MP for Monmouth, because he's got a very busy day ahead of him, uh, and we're going to go to him right now to talk about this population explosion. 400,000 extra people coming to this country in just the last 12 months. David, very good morning to you. Welcome to the show. Morning, Mike. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. I know you haven't got a lot of time to talk to us, but this is getting to the point, really, is it not, where... We're going to have to do something to make sure that the extra people coming into this country can be catered for, can be dealt with, and do not actually mess up everything that we're doing. 
Yeah, and, and do you know what one of the ironies of all this is? Is that, um, that we're going to have to build something like this, the size of a city every single year, a large city. That means right. more roads, more houses, more schools, more shops for people and, and, and offices and all the rest of it. And yet, every time uh, anyone sticks in a planning permission for any of these things, it's going to get knocked back by all sorts of community groups, including the very people who will be writing and emailing demanding that we do more to welcome uh, migrants yes. into the United Kingdom. This is one of the great ironies. You know, there's a, there's a, a liberal activist in, uh, in Monmouthshire who was complaining about uh, the fact that they were going to build 100 houses in a village here and saying it's an absolute outrage, don't want these houses anywhere near the village. And fair enough, you know, I can see the point. I can see the point. But that same person is also emailing me with emails on the lines of we welcome refugees, we welcome more migrants, we must stay in the European Union, freedom of movement, all the rest of it. What is wrong with these people that they cannot understand that if you have sort of open borders, you allow anyone who wants to, to come in here from the European Union, you welcome everyone else from the rest of the world, it's going to cause problems. It's going to mean that you have to build more houses and more roads and more offices and shops and all the rest of it. And yet, these are the very same people. They'll be the first to, to, to write the placards of protest. Well, we saw, did we not, at the, we saw at the weekend those uh, wallies from Camberwell, the Camberwell commies, as I like to call them, uh, who were sort of hounding Boris Johnson and his girlfriend out of their house down there, basically holding up a placard that said, we welcome migrants in Camberwell, but we don't want Boris. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, most, I mean, these, these people, by the way, they're not, they call themselves class warriors or whatever. Most of them are actually upper class warriors because one of the great ironies of this is that when you, you, you look at these anarchists and they're, they're always, they've nearly always gone to a private oh, yeah. school somewhere. And I mean, you know, the, the, the irony of this is here's Boris Johnson, the man who I hope and think will be the next prime minister of this country. And he's living in a tower block, basically, with, with a bunch of anarchists around yeah. him. I mean, one minute people are complaining that members of parliament and senior MPs don't know what life's like in the real world. The next minute, they almost seem to be complaining that they're they're in the real world, living in a tower block next door to them, and and they don't want it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think there's a great big irony there, actually. Well, there certainly is. Uh, and I mean, I don't know about like you, it. David, and I don't know what Monmouthshire's like, but I walk around central London now, and it is almost impossible to, to, to navigate your way down a street without having to walk around loads and loads of people. I've never seen so many people as I now see in London. Well, the reason, the reason is that we don't really um, do enough to stop people coming in. And we, 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 we have this sort of, uh, there's this idea that, um, you know, that we, we, we're maintaining strong security at the borders. I don't think we are at all. I think people are coming in under all sorts of guises and then just staying here. And it's virtually yeah. impossible to get people out once they're in. And as soon as you, you, you do that, they'll say that they're facing terrible oppression and all the rest of it. And, and their, their word has to be believed. If they say they're under the age of 18, their word has to be believed, even if they clearly aren't. And I, I, look, I actually spoke to somebody who worked in a refugee centre. He was a manager of it. I'm not saying where it is. And he actually said to me, he's had people with grey hair saying that they're under the age of 18. And, and everyone knows that they're not, but it just takes right. so long to but go you can't know, but it's like, this new, it's like this new kind of um, virtue signalling way of, of, of being, whereby even at the end, uh, the, the uh, British Medical Association conference yesterday, people who stood up and said, actually, I think, I think it's a great idea for you to say we don't want to charge uh, foreign tourists for coming here uh, and going, using the NHS, they were getting booed by people in the same way that people get yeah, booed and the, and for the, not agreeing BMA, with, with, with everyone. You've got the BMA there saying, well, we're not, we're not border guards. No, thank God you're not border yeah, guards. Really. You're there to treat people, but you should be treating the people who've paid into the system and who have a right to be treated. Yeah. There was an article actually in the paper today saying this isn't about racism or anything like that. This is about people who may be British, who've lived abroad for 20 years in low-tax havens 
um, but who suddenly find that they've got a serious illness. So they fly back to use the NHS, um, which they're not meant to do because they've been living abroad, paying taxes abroad, um, living somewhere where, you know, you have to pay for, the, for your health service, but you don't pay anything in tax. And suddenly they come back here wanting to use the NHS. Yeah. It's just totally... It's on, incredible. Um, on, on the rest of Listen, it. David, I know you have to run off, but finally, let me just ask you about this one, because I, I heard a statistic the other day which chilled me to the bone, which was that there's been something like 150 migrants coming here from Iran stroke Iraq on uh, dirigible boats from Calais crossing the English Channel, coming to this country in the past month alone, and nobody's doing anything about it. As soon as they get here, they are now staying here. They're not being sent back. They're here. Yeah. And the sad thing about it is, I mean, we've seen this tragedy where this poor man died with his daughter. Right? Yeah. I mean, that, that moves everyone. People will drown in the English Channel on those boats. The English Channel is a very dangerous place. It's full of um, large ships. There's going to be an accident. And when people drown, you know what? The blame is immediately going to be attached to anyone who says that we should have a border. The reality is, by failing to send people back and to enforce the rules we've got, we're encouraging people to risk their lives yeah. crossing the channel or crossing the mediterranean and you have to ask yourself you know i mean you, you can go out and make an argument but let's get rid of all the borders that anyone from anywhere in the world who wants to move to the united kingdom or move to america let anyone go where they please you, you can make that argument i don't agree with it of course it would be enormously disruptive but there are some people out there who, who obviously think that but if you're not prepared to make that argument, then you have to accept there has to be a border. It's there for a reason. And if you accept there's got to be a border, it has to be enforced. And if you accept that it's got to be enforced, then you have to realise that anyone who tries to breach the rules and come in against the rules needs to be sent back. Because otherwise, you end up with a total free-for-all and the whole loads of people risking their lives needlessly because they know that if they're prepared to risk their lives to cross um, a channel or swim across a river and somebody somewhere will, will protect them. And that's the reason why they're risking their lives, and that's why people are drowning in the Mediterranean and soon, I suspect, in the English Channel. Yeah, you're absolutely right. David, listen, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I know you've got to run. David Davis, Conservative MP for Monmouth, talking an awful lot of sense and agreeing with me that in the end, you have to have rules. You can't just have a free-for-all. You can't just say, it's all very well, just come to Britain because we are the basket of democracy. We are the cradle of everything that is good in the world. We will provide you with a house. We will provide your children with a school. We will let you go to hospital and get treated for any number of illnesses that you may or may not have had before you got here. And it will cost you not a penny. And the people who live here will pay for it because we will pay our taxes to make sure that loads of people who don't have any money can come here and live next door without actually paying for it. It's absolute and utter madness, is it not? And let's go back to that Trump picture. I put a tweet out last night. Some people were objecting to the fact that I used the picture uh, to make a political point. But I'm afraid once a picture is in the, uh, uh, the sort of the, the, the nerve centre of the news business, you use that picture. I put the picture out of the guy. It's a horrible picture and it's a shocking picture and it is a picture designed to make your heartstrings go bang and to make you think that we are doing something wrong in our society. But I said in the caption to that picture, how is it that Donald Trump is getting blamed for the death of a man and his daughter when the man himself is the guy who put his daughter in the river, who swam across that river, who left her on the other side of the river and she came back and drowned alongside him because what he did was to put his only child in danger. And I'm sorry if that sounds harsh, I'm sorry if that sounds bad, but it's not Donald Trump's fault that people are dying in the Rio Grande any more than it is our fault that people will die in the English Channel. Let's take some calls on this because people want to get on because it's a very important subject. We are full up, ladies and gentlemen. 0344 499 1000. Craig is in Oxford. Hi, Craig. Morning, Mike. How's Morning. How are you doing, man? 
Yeah, very good, very good. Um, as, as normal, I make you right on this, but um, I'd expose the other half of the coin. Um, obviously, migration is is a uncontrolled migration is an issue, but at the same time, we've got virtually the same amount of births over deaths in this country. You know, people need to listen to high-quality radio like yourselves rather than uh, spending as much time in the bedroom, I think. Yeah, very, very possibly so. But, I mean, we can't control the numbers of people who are getting born because that would be the wrong approach, I think, wouldn't it? Well, I don't necessarily agree with the Chinese approach of one child per family, but what we're finding is that we've had several generations of migrants and culturally and sort of historically, they also tend to have slightly larger families, I've found. My I'm not sure experience. that's true. I'm not going to let you get away with that because I know of plenty of families in this country, indigenous families in this country, who have got very large numbers of children uh, and they can't afford to have them, by the way. Oh, yeah. No, no, I completely agree. I'm not saying it's a blanket rule. I'm just saying culturally. I, I know um, quite a few um, Indian families and Bangladeshi families um, that, that have lots and lots of children. Um, I also know one that shipped his uh, mum over the second she got diagnosed with cancer in India right. and walked her straight into an NHS hospital. So well, we, we talked about that yesterday. That is also a massive problem, by the way. It, it, it is, and maybe that's one area where privatisation of the NHS might not be a bad idea. Mm. The administration and the, the collecting of foreign aid, you know, because a, a private company do a hell of a lot better than the NHS are doing. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think you can pin it all on... on first-generation migrants and people coming in. No, I don't in. think we can. But there's no question yeah. about it, Craig, is there, that this country is a very attractive proposition for an awful lot of people coming from an awful lot of countries where their lot would be a lot worse than the lot that they get here. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, get across the border. We'll give you handouts for life. Come and stay. We'll give you a house. You know, you've got people living in houses that hard-working people can't afford, yet the, uh, they get given them because they, you know, for whatever reason, they yeah. pay the system or... But yeah, I'll tell you the other thing. Fair. The other thing that's interesting. I mean, you live in Oxford, right? Now I don't know how Oxford has changed over the last few years. London has become very, very busy indeed. Central London now is so busy that you literally cannot walk down the street without having to walk around people and bump into people and all of that. It never used to be this busy. And apparently, according to the figures we're looking at this morning, most of the four hundred thousand people who came to Britain in the last year from abroad are staying in London. They're not going to Stoke, they're not going to Oxford, they're not going to Cambridge, they're not going to Birmingham, they're not going to Liverpool, they're staying in London. And there's a reason for that as well, because presumably that's where the work is. It is, and I make you right. I was in Liverpool Street yesterday, Paul Street the day before. It's horrible getting through London. But, you know, fortunately, I live in a little village outside Oxford, um, nice and quiet. You know, we don't see too much of it. Mm. We, you know, we're kind of isolated from it, but every day when I go into London, it's, it's horrible. Yeah, really well, it is. And, 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 it, and it's reached breaking point, unfortunately. Craig, I'm going to let you go because we've got lots of other people to talk to and lots of other things to do, but I appreciate your call. And please do call in again, 0344 499 1000. The bottom line here uh, is that we cannot take many, many more people coming into this country, working uh, in jobs and paying tax. That's fair enough. I'm not, I've got no argument with that. But... There is not the spaces in the schools, there are no spaces in the GP surgeries, there are no spaces in the hospitals, there are no spaces on the roads, there are no spaces on the tubes, on the trains, there are no spaces anywhere in the southeast of England anymore. So unless we have a proper policy to actually distribute people around the country, we are going to come to sort of limit up 
in London. And it's going to be a, point, a place where nothing gets done, where you can't get around anymore, and where you can't get a doctor's appointment or a school place for your own child. I want to hear from you. If you've got kids in school, how difficult was it for you to get those kids into a particular school? If you have been trying to get a, an appointment with a doctor, how hard has that been? Because we are literally the magnet for the rest of the world. Everyone wants to come and live in Britain because it's a great country to live in. Unfortunately, the Remainers have got it wrong once again. They think nobody wants to come here. They think people are going to stop coming here. They think people don't want to live here because we're racist, because we're nasty, because we're horrible. Well, that's all cobblers, quite frankly, because people are coming here in larger and larger numbers than they ever have. 0344 499 1000. We'll take more of your calls next. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 1000. We're going to take loads of your calls. We haven't even got yet to the story about Boris Johnson wanting to bring in a kind of Australian-style immigration system which might make it a lot more difficult for people to come here from other parts of the world. Of course, if they're coming from the European Union at the moment, uh, there's no barrier whatsoever and loads more people, as I was saying to David Davis, are coming over on these boats from Calais uh, and just basically landing on the, on the streets of Dover and being absorbed into the community. It's an absolute nonsense. 0344 499 1000. Let's talk about something else, though, for the moment, uh, with Bruce Williamson, who is, of course, uh, from Worthy FM. He's down at Glastonbury, because Glastonbury is always the kind of harbinger of the summer. Everybody says when Glastonbury gets underway, you know the summer has started. There'll be hundreds and hundreds of people there from the BBC alone. Loads of your friends will be going. Uh, virtue signalling. Uh, John Snow will no doubt be there saying F the Tories and talking about how he's never seen some many white people in his life. Uh, let's talk to Bruce and find out what it's all looking like. The traffic apparently is pretty awful. Bruce, very good morning to morning, you. Morning, Mike. Are you, uh, uh, are you in situ already? I am in situ, and I, I can tell by the tone of your viewers, you're very jealous. You want to be here, don't you? Because it's a beautiful, sunny <laughs> Listen, day. Listen, mate, I cannot think of anything worse. I've been to Glastonbury quite frequently when it's not uh, got the festival on, and the little town yeah. is very nice. I love Glastonbury Tour. I used to live in Bath, right? I used to hang okay. around on the Somerset levels at great times of the year. But what I hated was when all of these bozos from London came down and pretended that they were kind of enjoying the fruits of the summer. Well, but they are. I mean, there's no getting away from it. You know, it's, it's a lovely way to, to spend the summer. Um, and the fact that people are prepared to spend, you know, 250 quid on tickets and loads more oh, yeah. food and drink and beer, you know, it shows how much they want to be here. Not that they're uh, in any way middle class and overprivileged. Well, no, like, like people like you who, who live in Bath. There's quite a lot of people, <laughs> people from Bath. Oh, look, I've just, tell you know what, Mike, I've just found a tenner on the floor. It's a tenner? There you go. Well, you can't keep that. You do realise that. You have to put it into the common fund so that everybody can get enough ecstasy to go around over the weekend, right? It's mine, yeah. <laughs> so what was that question? Um, now, well, listen, well, here's, here's the thing, right? You are down there technically working, right? You're like one of these people yeah. in the BBC who claims that, you know, there are so many of us here that we're all working. You're actually doing a radio show from there. Tell us about that. Oh uh, yeah, so I mean, uh, I've I've been building a radio studio. Um, Glastonbury Festival has its own radio station called Worthy FM. We're on air on eighty-seven point seven, uh, not just at the festival, to its surrounding areas as well. So we're giving out essential traffic information to people who are waiting in their cars in queues, waiting to get in. If you're sitting in your tent or your camper van, you can tune in 
to us, and um, you know we, we've got the information that you haven't got. You know, yes. we know which well, tell us what's the uh, what's your traffic report saying this morning. Uh, traffic report saying it's actually not too bad on the roads. There's a lot of uh, there's, there's a golf buggy going past me now, up towards the farm. There's two golf buggies. Um, it's it's a high activity. Doesn't sound, it doesn't sound very uh, sustainable that in terms of energy usage, does it? Well, it, it is. I mean, it's it's. There's a lot of effort being made to make the festival sustainable. Uh, you know, for instance, this year we've got water refill points. You can buy a reusable, refillable water bottle, so there's none of that plastic waste. I mean, that, oh, that's you know, good. It is yeah. an issue. How many uh, millions of gallons of water are you going to be using during this green period? Well, I mean, uh, probably, hopefully, less than you would be using at home. Uh, yeah, but it won't be, will it? This is the what? thing. You don't come on here and do all your virtue signalling, mate. It's not going to work. You will be using millions and millions and millions of gallons of water over the weekend in Glastonbury. I will not be. No, uh, no, but you'll be you'll be showering at home. We'll be showering in a field. It's kind of the same thing, really. Yeah, you I know, know, but there's an awful lot more of you, mate. I mean, there's only yeah, one of me. Weird. There's 750,000 of you. <laughs> It's a zero-sum game. You know, we've, we've evacuated London and Bristol and Bath so that the water consumption in those cities is going to go down disproportionately. And, you know... Um, Doesn't look country, like it. In this country, you know, water isn't too much of an issue, I think, you know. The, 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 well, tell the, that to the <laughs> Extinction Rebellion crowd when they glue themselves to the side of your tent uh, because they can't get themselves a free, you know, strawberry milkshake. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll just speak to them later. They're, they're yes. having a protest, actually. There is an extinction protest happening on site. Yeah, so, that, you know, let's be honest. So they're actually travelling all the way to Glastonbury to protest, yeah. are they? Yeah, Dear that's God. right, yeah. And, uh, and they're travelling, some of them are travelling in coaches and on trains, so that makes, that's a sort of sustainable form of transport, reducing pollution. Um, you know, inevitably, when you build a city... How are you reducing pollution by getting on a coach and going somewhere? By not taking a car, that's what I mean. You oh, know, I it's, see, it's right. More, it's, it's all relative, isn't it? It's all relative. Yeah, it's relative, yeah. yeah but Why don't they come down by hot air balloon or something? That would be uh, easy. Because that's, they're quite, they're quite hard to we, we have had incidents in the past of, uh, of people parachuting into the site, but we don't recommend that. Um, track are going past a little bit. A lot of high-vis around here, you know, people working still. Um, but, you know... I'll tell you what, Mike, the thing is, it's horses for courses, isn't it? You know, you might like to go to... Listen, uh, I'm very happy for you guys to do whatever the hell you like. I just yeah. object to it when people start telling me what I should be doing. I'm not trying yeah. to dictate to anyone. If you want to go to Glastonbury, roll about in the mud for three days, pretend that you're having a good time just because your friends think you should be, having sex with people you don't recognise, waking up in the morning feeling as if you've just had your head staved in with a massive sledgehammer, that's fine. Go ahead. But don't tell me what I should be doing. But it sounds like you do care. You know, it sounds like you're saying we shouldn't be doing this, really. And, no, uh, you, know, you do whatever you want, mate. You do whatever okay. you want. Yeah. And if it was a sporting event, you know, I mean, for me, I'm not a sports fan. For me, watching cricket is like watching tennis, or like watching paint dry, the tennis as well. But, I mean, if, you know, if, if you want to sort of clog the roads going to football matches, you know, that's fine. I don't that's, do that. I don't clog the roads ever. Do. I drive people very fast that, in a very, very high performance and very clean <laughs> Jaguar, I think you'll find. Yeah. Now, let me tell you, let me ask you this. What about the music? Are you allowed to, to broadcast the music or do they not let you do that because the BBC have to have it all? No, we haven't got a sort of BBC Monopoly issue like that. I mean, there are other issues. But we have musical guests come into the studio and they perform sessions. So you can't, actually, you can't actually stream it live then? Uh, yeah, we do, yeah. You can, you can, you can go onto uh, the website um, and, and I think on the Glastonbury Festival website there's a link to listen in to uh, the FM okay. and you can hear what's going on. So you can, you can actually stream the music live. So I'd rather listen to you as a, as, a, as a sort of commercial operation than the BBC. Yeah, well, we're, you know, we, we're actually good friends with the BBC. I know you're not, but uh, we, we, we do actually collaborate quite a lot with the I'm BBC. Not, it's not a question of whether I'm friends with them. I, I employ them. I pay them uh, to yeah. do what it is that they do, but they don't seem yeah. to really kind of uh, appreciate the fact that I'm subsidising them. 
Um, well, that's, you'll have to take that up with the government, really, because, you know, the BBC's got to be funded one way or another. Yeah, well, um, or not, perhaps. Or, or not, yeah, but I, 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 I'm a fan of the BBC. I'd miss it if, if, if we would you? I think that would be a tragedy, yeah. That doesn't yeah. surprise me. What about uh, the acts themselves? Who are you most looking forward to seeing and or hearing? Um, a band that I'm absolutely certain you would hate. They're called Idols. And, uh, they Idols? Produce Idols, yeah. And, Why would uh, I hate them? Uh, because they're loud and dirty and punky and grungy and they're just absolutely... Why would you think, see, why would you think that I wouldn't like that? Well, I don't know. <laughs> the trouble with you, uh, Bruce, is that you're a, a stereotypical, you know, Glastonbury person who thinks that anybody who doesn't like the idea of going to Glastonbury is some kind of square, horrible, nasty, right-wing nutter. Well, that's it. you've just told me you don't want to be here, Mike. You know, so I'm, I'm taking, yeah, but that doesn't I'm mean I don't like, you know, steampunk. doesn't mean okay. that I haven't seen the New York Dolls before you were born or the Talking yeah. Heads down in the Bowery in CBGBs in New York. Well, I think that's pretty cool. It um, is cool. I'm a very cool person. The, the next, if you like, the, the, in 30 or 40 years' time, the, the, the same conversation will be, well, I saw idols at... Uh, uh, you know, Glastonbury, or I, I can say for real, I saw the killers at the fleece before they made it. What big. about the Wombats? Are they playing? Because Ross, Ross Kempsell loves playing. them. Yeah, Moving to New York is one of their big hits and um, uh, Backfire at the Disco. I, I, I do like the Wombats, although right. I think it's the, the worst name for a band ever. It's not great, uh, is it? What about Tom Watson? Not... Is he turning up and is he going to lose another 10 stone? Uh, I've no idea, I'm afraid. Okay. Uh, I'm a blank on that well, one. Well, you know how the Labour Party types like to show up. Jeremy Corbyn likes to go there. You know, Tom yeah. Watson likes to turn up. Yeah. No doubt Emily yeah. Thornberry uh, will take some time out from counting her money to come down and check out a few of the bands. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, ha we have the, the left field down here. And in fact, uh, a few years ago, Tony Benn was down there and I did ask him, you know, shouldn't we have the right field as well in the interest of balance? <laughs> but he, he wasn't too keen on that idea. Yeah, um, well, I mean, you know, imagine if you turned up wearing a young Tories badge or something. You've got to be tarred and feathered and set fire to, wouldn't you? Well, I don't think it's quite that bad. Oh, you know? it is. I, I think, uh, no, I mean... if Boris Johnson turned up, what sort of welcome would he get? Uh, probably not a very warm one, but I, I don't think he'd be in any sort of physical danger, you know. Um, it's, well, it's a lovely atmosphere. You lovely, know. is it? Um, and how yeah, muddy? Is. How muddy is it? Because it was pretty wet the other day. No, it's dried out totally. I'm, I'm walking on walking on grass here. It's really firm underfoot. Um, you know, it, the, yeah. the ground tends to sort of soak it up really quickly. So, if you were giving a sort of weather report, would you say the going is firm then? Oh, I think the going is certainly firm. Really, yeah, definitely firm underfoot. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah. You haven't taken any uh, drugs, have you, Bruce? No, I haven't. Uh, just a, just a couple of pints of beer last night. You know, drink responsibly. That's the Quite right, absolutely. And, and, and rehydrate. You know. <laughs> yeah, listen, it's very important. Listen, I'm delighted to speak to you, Bruce. Have a great time. We'll maybe speak to you again uh, tomorrow if we may, yeah, and yeah, see if you're still great. alive uh, yeah, and indeed be, still yeah. broadcasting. That'd be great. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, Bruce Williamson there from Worthy FM down in Glastonbury. What a collection of absolute and utter trash, is all I can say. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the number. We'll take your calls next. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, Nigel Farage has been watching with some interest the uh, leadership debate over the uh, Tory party leader and the new number 10 incumbent. Who is it going to be? Uh, is it going to be Jeremy Hunt? Is it going to be Boris Johnson? It's down to the final two. We will know uh, by sometime later on next month. Uh, who the new incumbent will be in Downing Street. By the 24th of July, the new Prime Minister will be sitting there. It's more than likely to be Boris Johnson. Some people have said on the right of the Tory party, particularly uh, the uh, sort of ERG crowd and some of the other people there who think that the Brexit party is a bit of a threat, that Nigel Farage should be somehow uh, sort of welcomed by the Tory party and somehow encapsulated into their uh, thoughts for the future. But let's find out from Jonathan Bullock whether he's a bit disappointed by what Boris Johnson said yesterday. Jonathan, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good, good morning. Thank you very much for joining us. Is it disappointing to you guys? Were you hopeful that Boris Johnson might be a little bit more kind of um, inclusive, if you like, with the Brexit party? Well, I, I'm not sure why we would want to damage our brand uh, with Boris Johnson and the Conservative Party. <laughs> the Conservative Party have failed uh, to deliver Brexit. Theresa May promised 108 times that we'd leave on March the uh, 29th, and we didn't. Uh, and Boris is promising essentially the same thing, or for Halloween. Why should we believe him? Uh, he's not someone who has always stuck to delivering what he said. Uh, and uh, he's obviously appealing to the Conservative uh, uh, membership here in this, the membership of which, of course, voted uh, many of them for the Brexit party in the recent European elections. Well, that's right. And you would have thought, and, and I would have thought, that he might have been a little bit more kind of, even if he was a bit more circumspect rather than dismissive of the Brexit party, that would have been politically the thing to do. Well, in, indeed, he should be actually saying the Brexit party has got it right and we're going to follow what they are suggesting. That would be a sensible approach. We need to get Brexit uh, out of the way so we can get on with the uh, rest of the positive things about this country. And the way to do it uh, is by uh, a managed no deal uh, and then hopefully a free trade uh, deal following that with the EU, but that obviously is up to the EU to play uh, ball as well. But we would be out uh, and we would carry on trading. The world would go on uh, and everyone could get on with the rest of their lives. I mean, one of the things that came up before, for example, the Peterborough by-election, and even in a way before the European elections where you guys did so well was the fact that, you know, some Tories were saying to me, some MPs indeed were saying to me, you know, we're going to have to take a view on the Brexit party. We're either going to have to ask Nigel Farage to become part of the Tory project or uh, we're going to have to try and figure out a way of him not damaging the Tory brand as much as he has been doing. So, I mean, what's the, what's the Brexit party's view of that? Well, I think it's the Tories who have been, brand, uh, who have been damaging the Tories' brand. Uh, we have been putting forward fresh 
uh, uh, approach uh, in terms of uh, a great new number of people. And uh, we've got 5,000 people turning up uh, uh, to Birmingham on Sunday for a rally, uh, where again we'll be uh, presenting fresh ideas and announcing some parliamentary candidates. We are geared up ready for a general election, uh, and we're geared up ready with the support of many in the British people who voted for us uh, uh, in the European elections. So we are going to carry on. Boris Johnson would do wise to uh, say, yes, they've got it right. We can see why they've been so successful. So we're going to have a managed no deal. Now, his promising will be out by Halloween. Uh, but uh, do people believe him? Well, that is the problem, isn't it? And why do you think he's so reticent about getting into bed with Nigel uh, and the Brexit party, for want of a better word? I'm sorry if that causes any uh, unfortunate um, sort of uh, malapropisms for people. But, you know, why do you think he's so shy of the Brexit party? Well, I think he's probably jealous of the uh, Brexit party for a start because of how uh, recent success. I think he's probably slightly scared of uh, uh, Nigel Farage. Uh, uh, Nigel has proved himself probably, uh, uh, you know, the biggest political genius uh, uh, of the last 20 years, the way he's uh, developed and campaigned and got a referendum uh, and, and uh, won that referendum. And, of course, he's got great links with President Trump as well. So uh, Nigel's out there as a, as a leader. Uh, and as I say, Boris would do wise to respect that. And uh, 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 hopefully, if he does get in and wants to deliver uh, a, a Brexit, yes, pick up the phone to Nigel Farage. And you were saying that uh, you're prepared for an election, you're preparing for an election. I saw that uh, one of your colleagues, Martin uh, Daubney, has been looking at candidates. Are you all doing that? Are you all kind of having what you might call as a sort of dry runs and trying to select candidates for all the different constituencies around Britain? Uh, indeed, we've had over 3,000 people uh, apply. Uh, we've been whittling that down to uh, uh, interview about 500 or so at this stage. There'll be more interviewed. And fantastic quality. And by the way, a lot of people uh, who were either in the Conservative or Labour Party have been applying fed up with the fact that those parties haven't delivered on their 2017 manifesto. We will be ready uh, and people should take note. And what about the uh, uh, sort of the situation that you have in, for, in front of you in Brussels? Because we spoke to a couple of your, again, a couple of your colleagues in the last couple of weeks since you uh, inherited uh, your seats in, in Brussels, since you won them at the Euro elections. What's it been like there uh, and what's the reception been like? Well, it doesn't properly start till uh, July the 2nd, but we've been going over to sign up and register. I was an existing MEP, so uh, I just carried on uh, uh, with my work. But uh, uh, I have all along felt that the other MEPs of other countries want to shake our hands, wish us luck for the future. Many would like to see uh, a free trade deal with us. Uh, they realise we're in a different direction to them. Many of them want a United States of Europe, people like a uh, guy, Verhofstadt, uh, talk about that. Uh, and they've realised that Britain's better off outside the EU from all our, uh, uh, you know, both from our point of view and the EU's point of view. Uh, and so, therefore, they're wishing us luck and everything. But higher up the scale, uh, the, their senior politicians are, are, are worried because mm. it puts another nail in the coffin of the EU, which has become this political 
uh, project, which has become far too large and interfering in all these nation states. And these nation states are rising up. And how do you feel about the expansion, uh, if you like, of, of the Brexit party? Because you've got a very broad church of people in there, from Anne Whittacombe to Nigel Farage to, um, to, 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 to all kinds of other sort of individuals from very different walks of life. If you actually do field a lot of candidates at a general election, are you not sort of diluting the brand, if you like, because they'll have to have different views on all sorts of other subjects? Uh, no, because our, our main... Uh, issue will be, of course, delivering uh, a Brexit on World Trade Organization rules. We'll also be developing a number of other policies which will refresh clear thinking. And what's actually happened, we brought all these uh, people together, and I was in a meeting just uh, uh, a week ago uh, with some of these senior people, and there's fantastic energy uh, and new ideas coming out uh, because these are clever uh, people who have been successful from in all walks of life, and I think that's very positive in British politics. No, sure. And what about the whole business of WTO rules? Because I had a, a, an aide to um, Jeremy Hunt in here yesterday, a Tory MP, uh, who I'd previously never come across, it has to be said, who was very full-on about the fact that, you know, if we leave without a deal, it's going to be catastrophic, it's going to be dangerous, it's going to be terrible, we'll have to pay 40% tariffs which I've always rejected uh, as, as, a, as a truth because there's no reason why we would have to pay any tariffs whatsoever. What can you tell us about the WTO exit and how that would work? Well, we already trade on WTO rules with most of the world, like, for example, our relationship with America at mm. the moment is on WTO rules, so, you know, one of our biggest trading partners. So this isn't new at all. Uh, what it means is for, you know, about 9% of companies in, in the UK who do uh, trade with uh, uh, Europe, there are issues there, but a lot of things can be solved by a free trade agreement with uh, uh, the EU, which would be mutually uh, beneficial, uh, and life would go on. Business is already geared up. Well, they geared up for March. I was with some senior logistics companies back in February, and they outlined to me, this was in Europe, in Brussels, they outlined to me how they were going to cope uh, with a no deal. They were set up ready. They'd actually spent quite a bit of money on it. And then, of course, Theresa May didn't have the guts to see it through. Uh, so we need to do that. Uh, and life will go on uh, and business uh, will adapt. And it always does. And we've got such a good uh, economy in this country in terms of uh, businesses and uh, near full em employment, I, I think that's a positive basis for us to do well. We do. And let me just ask you one final question, Jonathan, because this morning in the first hour we were talking about the population figures that have come out today, uh, which suggest that we've put on something like 400,000 people in the last year alone. We will reach 70 million in this country by about 2027. Boris Johnson says he wants to have a points-based immigration system similar to what they have in Australia. Would you sort of um, endorse that, or, or do you guys have a different plan? Well, it's interesting that that, uh, in the past, is what Nigel Farage has proposed. So, uh, again, Boris seems to be uh, following Nigel. We've not yet developed our policies on that and other domestic uh, uh, issues. We will have in time for any potential general uh, election in the autumn. Uh, but I think uh, uh, Nigel has uh, uh, sort of said in the past he's in favour of a, a points-based uh, uh, immigration system like in Australia, and I see Boris is now copying him. Yes, indeed. And what about the East Midlands uh, as a general sort of point of, uh, of, of arrival? Because London and the South East seems to be taking most of the uplift in, uh, in sort of population growth. Is the East Midlands becoming overcrowded? 
I think there's been pressure. I think what people are concerned about is the pressure on the health service, yeah. on education. We've had those pressures, particularly in parts of Lincolnshire uh, and in some of our big cities. So I think people have a genuine concern, and that's for politicians to come up with sensible uh, policies to you know, help alleviate it. Sure. Jonathan, thank you very much indeed. Jonathan Bullock there, Brexit Party MEP for the East Midlands, talking about not only immigration policy from the Brexit Party's point of view, but also uh, whether or not... Um, Boris Johnson is correct to kind of put them at arm's length, basically, uh, and to more or less slag off the Brexit party and say, we're not going to get into bed with them. We are not going to do any deals with them. We don't want them uh, to try and steal our clothing. We are the Conservative Party and we are the party uh, of leaving the European Union. You don't have to worry about the uh, uh, the business of um, uh, Brexit as long as we are in charge. I'm not sure people are going to believe that because they haven't done anything about leaving the European Union for three years. In fact, we may have to check in uh, with the countdown clock to see whether we're any closer to not leaving the European Union very shortly. 0344 499 1000. We'll take your calls next. Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. I'll make you This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 is the number. Steve says, Mike, you can stuff Glastonbury on the 12th. I'm going to see Madness, the Lightning Season, Chris Difford in concert. Now, that's what I call music. Uh, Hackett says, David is delusional. Not only is London full, but come and have a look in Birmingham. Uh, the same, if not worse, than London is. And uh, Tony says, morning, Mike. Your caller who has defended the left is factually wrong. Blair opened the floodgates. I was born in Newham, East London, under a Labour council that had a policy of housing and schooling immigrants as a priority over and above the home population and that is a fact. Well, I don't know about that. And Lionheart says, I'm sure David meant well, but unfortunately he demonstrates what's wrong with the immigration debate. Every time someone tries to sensibly conduct a debate, people fly into a rage about hostile environments and blaming it all on the immigrants. Debate must not be stifled. We won't have it stifled on this show. Uh, let's go back to the phones and talk to Jay, who is in North Yorkshire. Hello, Jay. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks, yourself. Good, sir. Yeah, what do you want to say? Uh, I'm going to disappoint you a bit in the sense that because you said about you like people to di want people to disagree yes. with you, but unfortunately, I, I I don't. I agree with what you're saying. <laughs> oh, listen, I don't um, mind you agreeing as well. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and to be quite honest, I think David was talking out of his armpit. Yes, very um, well said. I thought you were yeah. going to say something else there for a minute. <laughs> no, no, not on air. <laughs> Good man. Um, and basically, what it what it is that I've rung up to say basically is that the country, like you say, it's getting too full. Yeah. And their answer is to build more houses. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm totally blind. So, like, I like all the countryside because there's all the different smells and different things to feel. Sure. And if we keep building houses, the only thing we're going to smell is petrol fumes. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, and the men cooking and whatever yeah. else. But also, that's and the problem, isn't it? Long, it's, all, it's, all, it's, it's all very well to build houses, but there's no room on the roads. You can't get on a train nowadays that's not absolutely packed to the gunnels. You can't get on, you know, um, an aeroplane that's not got some ridiculous number of people who can't get on. You know, it's just there's too many people around. There's too many, yeah, we're overpopulated. And as well, what doesn't help is the fact that, I know it's kind of on a different, but even for British people, there's so much out there that, you know, a lot of young young people over here won't work because 
they get so much money out of the system for having children. And then, of course, that's overpopulating us as well. Yes, exactly right. And at what point, I mean, I don't know what it's like in, in, in part of North Yorkshire where you live, Jay, but, I mean, have you noticed it getting busier where you are? It is, it, you know, it is getting a lot busier. It's getting, there's, when, I, when we first moved into the village that we're in, there was hardly anybody, you know, it was, there was, the you know, and now they've just passed the, well, a, a while ago, just mm. passed for like 84 new houses to right. be built. Right, right. And, you know, but none of them are affordable houses. They're all like, none of them are like, it's all these big wigs that, you know, come over and buy them all up. Right. And then when people buy the council houses, you know, so there's no affordable housing. That's the problem. And also, if they've got families, where do the kids go to school, where do they, you know, which GP surgery do they sign up with, you know, there's a, there's a you know, it's well, a very small it, island we live on. Appointment is 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 so difficult. Yeah, I bet. And and even even with such a thing as you know, like you're saying about schools and things, it's it's all the same. You know, they're wanting to extend the schools, they want to build more houses, and it's more cars on the road. I mean, sometimes when you live in a village, all you want is a peaceful walk with your dog. Yeah. And yet, all you've got, you're having to you're having to move off the road and everything and there's not many pavements in a village because it's you know it's you don't assume many cars are going to come through it no of course but but, so but, it, just... but it's just getting busier and busier joe yeah. you're absolutely right listen thanks for your call man appreciate it and by all means call if you agree with me as well i don't want to put you off just because you agree with me doesn't make you a bad person let's talk to berthold who's in cambridgeshire hello berthold hello mike and good morning to you good morning <laughs> thank you for joining us what can you tell us well, the thing is, you see, I came over in 1974. I'm a crab. Are <laughs> oh, you so German? Okay. Welcome. Willkommen. Yes, I am. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, well. Anyway, um, I came over in 1974 because I followed my wife. I met her in southern France picking grapes. Okay. So I just I decided to follow her up. Uh, we got married. We have children. Um, I've worked my entire life here. I'm now retired. And even though... Um, say I'm a European in, in such a sense, I am strictly against us staying in the EU because they're a bunch of mafia bosses. There. Interesting you say really that. What, what would you say is the German view on all of that? Because obviously we see Angela Merkel as the kind of the mother, the godmother, if you like, of the European Union. And we see Germany very much as the kind of linchpin of the whole organisation. Well, yeah, well, I think Germany's taken over a little bit too much, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and Merkel doesn't stand really for the majority of views in Germany, I would have thought. Right. The thing is, is she's getting very unpopular because she allowed a million immigrants to come yeah. in. And that was a massive, problem there massive mistake, that, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, the same here. I mean, it, it seems so, even though we're talking about uh, borders, uh, there seems to be more and more people coming. I don't mind, obviously, because I'm an immigrant myself. But I think, like myself, you have to pay into the system first before you actually come and drag anything out. Of course. And Why how not? difficult was I've it for worked... you at the time, in 1974, was it difficult for you to come here? Well, in places it was. In, in East London in particular, I was working for Boilermakers. I'm an engineer. In fact, I'm a specialist welder. Uh -huh. And I worked on Sizewell B as well. I was a oh, uh, okay. senior GMB shop, shop steward there. Okay. Not a day strike, I may add. <laughs> where the, I was the only shop steward. Not a day strike. Good anyway, um, <laughs> I, I, 
I, I think it's it's getting totally over the top with, with people coming and demanding things. Yes. I've never demanded anything. And when I was in East London, I got a lot of abuse because obviously, you know, Germans weren't um, too popular at sure. that time. No, I get that. Uh, but, but I was I, thinking more in terms of actually I, paperwork I and stuff like that. Were, were you able to become a British citizen easily enough by getting married or how did that work? No, I didn't become a I'm still a German. Okay. I don't see why I should run around with two passports. I can't lose my German passport. Right. So well, that's, now you get the best of both passports. worlds because you'll keep a European passport. What about when uh, we leave the European Union? Will you then have to find, um, a, a, will you have to find yourself in, in a home office or a place making sure that you're not going to get kicked out? Yeah, probably. But um, I'll make my application just like everybody else. Right. And I'm not worried about myself, Mike. The whole point is I'm worried for my kids. Right, because my kids are living here; they're grown up. Um, my boys, they are draftsmen, and they add actually to to uh, um, you know uh, the working world here, and, and they earn their right. living and, and make their. Work. But I've told them that what they should do is to say they should actually vote for the Brexit party. I donated to them, and I would donate again if I have to. The fact of the matter is, is that unless we actually leave the EU, we will not have a free country. Because look what, what Brussels is doing now with Italy. I mean, we can vote in any government we want, and Brussels tells us, no, you can't do it. Yeah. That's nonsense. So it makes our vote totally invalid, and that cannot happen. No, you're absolutely right. Fascinating call, Berthold. Thank you so much, and very, very grateful that you rang in. Do so again, please. 0344 499 1000 is the number. We've got lots more to do, many more people to talk to. Matthew Wright coming up at 1 o'clock, of course. This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online, or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.